As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Come on, who's going to name their stadium after Pele? Goodison Park doing Goodison Park things. The absolute definition of there or thereabouts. The vital components are being perceived to have let your country down. Peter Drury does Gary Weaver. The pure hasn't been on Gary Neville's soccer box yet, but definitely will one day 11. The state of football magazine annuals in 2023. And the first trip to Keys and Grey corner of the year. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 221 of Football Pele's. I'm Adam Pele and with me on the first adjudication Pele of 2020 Pele is Pele Eccleshare. How's it going? (laughs) Good, how are you? (laughs) I'm really good, thank you. Uh, Alongside you on the adjudication Pele today, it's a 99th appearance on this podcast for David Walker de Nascimento. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well. Yes, um, we are sticking rigidly and dutifully to Gianni Infantino's directive that things must be named after Pele. Let's hear exactly what he asked the global football family to do. We pay tribute to him by uh, asking all the federations now to pay a minute of silence and tribute to Pele. But we're also going to ask every country in the world to name one of their football stadiums uh, with the name of Pele. Charlie... Mm. How on earth are the FA going to apply this directive? I mean, how are any country going to do it? How do you choose the stadium? Because it can't, it can't be your national stadium. I mean, mm. for, for countries of a certain vintage, it can't be your national stadium, surely. No. I mean, could they do ones that have tenuous links to Pele? I mean, or Brazil? Teams that have ironically said it's just like watching Brazil. Oakwell, for instance. I remember Barnsley were <laughs> in the Premier League. Could that become the Pele Stadium? The Riverside, maybe? <coughs> yeah, Could it be, yeah. How about um, there's a cut-off date and the first club to build a new stadium after said date has to name it after Pele? <laughs> that seems fair because, you know, market forces and all sorts of economics will sort of override any other kind of skullduggery in terms of scheduling. So if you've got to build a stadium, you will build it and, uh, and then you will follow that rule. Um, someone said on Twitter, Dave, that it feels a bit Reading. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I Surely one of... club will try and step up as a classy touch and do this. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, it's just... Even the point about him saying there, we ask all the federations to acknowledge it and, you know, at matches and stuff. I saw, of, of all places, I, I, I was watching the guy who does the padded seat, you know, the hospitality 
stuff on like TikTok and he goes to all the games and he experiences right. hospitality and okay. you obviously don't know what I'm talking about no. but I'm sure the listeners no. will no. this is a bloke on TikTok who basically he's basically created an account that has, enables him to get free hospitality at every mm. sporting occasion in the world now oh, and nice. he went to he went to Solihull Moors the other day <laughs> which is which is a bit of a step down because he's normally at the top table mm. um and the last shot of his TikTok from his Solihull Moors hospitality ex- hospitality experience was them doing a minute's applause for Pele before their game, and it's just I don't know. He's obviously the the greatest footballer of all time, most iconic, and all that stuff. But it just feels like wh- wh- where do we? Am I mm. going to be doing a minute's applause to Pele on Clapham Common no, this Sunday? I appreciate your instinctive reaction to this, but um, Charlie, of all players in the history of football, if there was one player whose tributes were going to drip down to the lowest levels to Sunday League and it still be and it still feel relatively sincere, I'd say Pele's probably that right up there because it isn't just about how good he was; it's just what he represents. So I would, I think, he is one of a select few footballers I would do a minute silence for at Sunday League and not not have my hand on my chest doing it, but feel okay and not like a complete twat. Yeah, there aren't many, are there? I mean, probably just Pelé and Maradona. We could mourn the end of Cristiano Ronaldo's career in Europe and have a minute silence. Could do, could do that. But in the, in the landscape, Charlie, of tenuous links to Pelé, nothing, nothing will beat this. This is from um, Joseph Horton, who sent me um, a tweet from Ammonford AFC who play in the um, lower echelons of the Welsh system. And they tweeted, Remembering Pelé, from Rice Road to Pelé. Amundford AFC claims a small part in his legendary history. Former town defender Alan Jones played for the Los Angeles Aztecs in 1975 and played against Pelé's New York Cosmos, winning (laughs) (laughs) 5-1. And they they put a little sort of um, team list underneath it just to prove it, that he was there on the pitch with Pelé in 1975 not worth it i mean we did have a this this has felt a bit reminiscent of the queen dying a few months ago with anyone the sort of it, it has been sort of fascinating watching yeah some of the links that people have been coming up with i mean i think with the pele stadium i can't imagine what <laughs> just loads of loads of middle-aged men and women from the home counties just got on a plane to santos i just i just had to be there <laughs> i just had to see him was keezy there <laughs> Um, I don't think he flew in Philip and out. Schofield quickly. jumping the queue again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It was literally people calling it the queue, capitalised as well, which was um, a stunning kind of um, continuation of that theme. But um, but let, let's kick off the adjudication panel for the first time in 2023. Goodison Park in its first home fixture of the year, doing its own real tribute to Pele, really, <laughs> in its own way. Um, here's the fourth Brighton goal going <laughs> in in their 4-1 win at Everton. Uh, what a boo this is. It's over, everybody. It's the back pass. Oh, oh and that's short from Idris again. And a chance to race clear for Pascal Gross. It's an impudent finish. It's four for Brighton. Oh, it's an absolute disaster for Everton. A gift of a goal. Well, this goal just sums up the difference between the two teams tonight. Probably more difficult boo to perform, Dave, the post-goal boo, because where do you come in? Because obviously the shock of the goal, the impact of the goal has to subside and then the kind of resultant boos have to come in. You can't go early. No, but I think I think this one was... It, it was a goal that, if you haven't seen it, obviously came from a short back pass. The the attacker had the freedom of, of Goodison Park to, to run through on goal. So everyone could see it coming. It was a chip over the keeper, followed by a hapless defender falling into the back of the net. So it, it wasn't like a, a, a shot out of nowhere where people had to sort of mm. get... They knew they they were I, people were gearing Clearing up for their the, throats for the booze. I think yeah yeah. I, I did see that as I saw these goals going in. I did just think, wow, this is going to make for some incredible reactions from from the angry Everton fans. And and the fact that the goal starts as well with a big tackle being won by a Brighton player. So that's kind of that you know the Everton stock and trade. At least we we want it more than the opposition and all of that. I mean, I just yeah that everything about that goal it looked like it was designed to uh, infuriate, especially with that short back pass as well at the end. Um, I, I can't for the life of me remember who tweeted this at me, but I, I'm, I'm trying desperately to find it. But um, Dave, someone said, is this the most manager about to get sacked goal mm. you could possibly concede? 
given all the ingredients, it, it, it does feel very on the brink. Definitely, definitely. For all the things I just said, in terms mm. of just all those elements, it was a mistake, forlorn attempt to, to retrieve the ball, Pickford in no man's land, yeah. fans angry, Brighton being... miss 50-50 at the start. Yeah, you know, it's Brighton. There would be some, even though Brighton are obviously a decent team, there would still be sort of this perception that we can't... Mm. It's Brighton. Why we, you know, how are we losing four 0 yeah. at home to Brighton? This is Everton Football Club. Yeah, it's it's New Year. <laughs> just a night game. Yeah. under the lights. <laughs> under the which lights, is where they should be, you know, hundred percent record, as far as I understand. Yeah. I, I, why well, every team should be hundred percent record. I did have that thought, that exact same thought. I was like, this feels so end of days. Um, I also, and we may have got into this before, but the commentator there, I think, says that just about sums it up. I've just been noting recently, I think that something summing up a half or summing up someone's performance, I think that may be the most used <laughs> turn of phrase in football commentary. Because you can do it basically every game, because there will be a moment uh, in a bad first half performance, there'll be a misplaced pass. That, that just about sums it up for me. Yeah, the scope for using the phrase is so wide as well. It can mm, be exactly. a shot or goal, a misplaced pass, anything, yeah. a slip. Pretty much anything. Yeah, I agree. Now, we've been at the vanguard, Dave, of um, full-time Goodison booing discourse. I feel like we've really pushed (laughs) forward this area of study to the point now where you don't really have to look too far for audio of full-time Goodison booing. Here here it is from the field, you know, raw audio. Really concerning nights in an already chastening campaign. Great base to that but perhaps didn't quite get the the full visceral nature of the boo this is from someone's mobile phone uh, footage just up in the stands at Goodison like a furnace Charlie the hairs on the back of your neck stand up doesn't Mm. it it is fulfilling. It is a fulfilling sound in a way, Dave. If you're not connected with it I feel like it's a real fulfilling footballing sound it really reminds you of what you love about the game (laughs) <laughs> I think we can all identify with it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right, let's let's move on. There'll be another boo at Goodison for us to enjoy at some point, I'm sure. This is great. Charlie from Dan Rubin. Currently travelling in Asia, and a few weeks ago, upon seeing a nice sunset, my girlfriend turned to me and said, Lao doing Lao things. A proud moment, <laughs> although not sure a country can do country things. <laughs> what a cultural reach again we're having. That's amazing. Stop it, Lao. Yeah. <laughs> Stop that right now. <laughs> that is wonderful. I yeah, it was a nice sunset. Uh, but yeah, great. Um, uh, yeah, not not hundred percent on board with the usage, Dave. But I do appreciate the sentiment. It kind of works. I think that does work. Yeah. If you ask me to sort of envisage a typical scene on holiday in that part of the world, on, the, on a sort of island or whatever, I probably would think of about being on a beach with a with a nice sunset. Yeah. A lot of people messaging us now questioning whether Lau is an island or not, but that's not not our, not our issue, not a geography <laughs> podcast. I'll tell you who was really busy over Christmas, really in hitting peak form, was um, football montage specialist Brian's gun. Uh, this one particularly caught my ears, a, a real riff on a very popular footballing phrase for us to dissect. They will be there or thereabouts. We need to be there or thereabouts. We're going to be there or thereabouts. Be in there or thereabouts. Well, we're going to be there or thereabouts. They're going to be there or thereabouts. I think that they'll be there or thereabouts. They'll be there or thereabouts. They're there or thereabouts, uh, which is good news for everybody. Been there or thereabouts. They're still there or thereabouts. They're, and they're thereabouts again this time. They're there or thereabouts. They're going to be there. Don't worry. They're going to be there. They'll be there or thereabouts. There and thereabouts. There and thereabouts. We'll be there or thereabouts. No, I believe they would have been there or thereabouts. We've got to be <laughs> there or thereabouts. And, and we are. And I'm convinced we'll be there or thereabouts again. <laughs> I'm, I'm reassured in a way, Charlie, that Steve Bruce is at the epicentre of the there or thereabouts um, uh, ongoing phenomenon because it does feel like a Steve Brucey kind of phrase, a very vague thing. Mm. But can we define it? What does there or thereabouts mean? Partly because it's Steve Bruce, and I think of him as being quite a. He's talking there often, I think, in a sort of promotion y context. And I think it helps with that because you're talking about quite a big area of the table, aren't you? There or thereabouts can basically be top eight ish. Yeah. For if you're if you're top eight, you're in the mix for promotion, and I think that can be there or thereabouts. Is it to narrow it even further? Would it would there be top two and thereabouts be well, playoffs? Exactly. Or even 
I think playoffs con- would consider be considered to be there, there, especially in the championship context, because like okay. that, that's your life raft if you if you're looking to bounce back up again. So I, I would say there is top six and but, thereabouts is in the hunt, and we know how congested it can get up there, Dave. But if but if you're if you're in the hunt, I mean, at the moment there's like ridiculous like 15 teams who are thereabouts. Yeah, but the, the, all, all there that in the in that clip. A lot of the managers and players, in particular, were talking about it as if thereabouts would be would be acceptable. Like would be sort of jo- yeah, we'll job, be job there done. Or thereabouts. Yeah, we will be there or thereabouts. Yeah. But if you're saying that thereabouts is outside of the the playoffs in this example, thereabouts is not where you want to be. You want to be there. You don't want to be there thereabouts. But but I think if you're thereabouts, there's the there is the scope to be there. So if you know, often you'll hear it. Like, I feel like Fergie or the sentiment would be like, look, we just need to be there or thereabouts at the turn of the year because we'll back ourselves in the second half of the yeah, season. Right. And so I think for a lot of these teams, it's, look, we, we just need to be there or thereabouts with, you know, in March. And, for, and from there, we'll have we'll have half a chance. Yeah, two points to pick up on here. Um, I would definitely not encourage its use as an end result for the season. No. You shouldn't be there or thereabouts at the end of the season when everything has been settled because thereabouts means nothing then. Secondly, I would say thereabouts basically means, in general, if you want to you know, have a universal meaning for it, Dave, I think thereabouts means within striking distance of the thing that you want to attain at the business end of the season. So you Which have a there. chance of getting it if fortune favours you. Yeah, I mean, what is the relationship between there or thereabouts to in and around? Mm. <laughs> yeah, close. Because I think in and around the promotion places is something you might hear for, for for the same sort of time frame. Look, as long as we're in and around the promotion places by March, when we're getting a lot of players back, or when X Y Z is going to happen, I'd say it's roughly analogous. I think it's pretty mm. much the same thing. Um, in and around, yeah, I'd say it's about right. But in and around, of course, Charlie has a wider usage. You can, we now know you people are using it willy nilly in the rest of life. But would you use there or thereabouts anywhere else in your life? I, it's a fifty fifty thing. I mean, house hunting, maybe that's a sphere Ooh. you could use. It. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at Walthamstow, the yeah. old there, there or there, thereabouts. There, thereabouts. But in uh, your head, in your footballing head, that would just mean we're getting the house we wanted or a house that's slightly less good. Well, yeah, I was thinking in the Lau example that we had before as well. Yeah. You know, we're, we're hoping we're hoping to get as far as Lau, or if not, there or thereabouts. No, know, we'll go no, to Thailand. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, it's a vertical thing. Has to be. It has to be. The more I think about it, it's not a 360 degree thing. In and around is there and it does its job. Right, let's get this off to a flyer in 2023. It's time for For My Sins Corner. It's not going away. We're not giving up on it. I've got my two big hitters here for For My Sins Corner. Let's hope Charlie's Wi-Fi holds up. It's over to trusty Popmaster and our old friend. Oh, it's DJ Spoonie. You know the drill. Contestant number one today, Mike Gleason. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, how are you? I am fine and dandy. Now, Mike, in front of me, it says that you're in Warrington. Yes, yes, for me, Sims, yeah. Oh, oh, so early! <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling might go early there. It might feel like a waste to you, but let's continue the clip and just see how full my Simsy the rest of it is. Red. Sorry, I missed you. Don't say again. Uh, whenever someone tells me they're from Liverpool, I have to ask the question: Are you blue or red? And I have to ask. I have to answer. I'm a bit of blue. Ah, okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> Could have done it there, there Mike. We yeah. won't let our we won't let our love of football and our team colours come between us, will we? Okay. Uh, Mike, what do you do in your spare time? How do you like to enjoy yourself? Here we go. I like to laze around, uh, listen to music, play my guitar, watch the sound of music. You like to oh, watch the sound prime. of music? Prime! I love it, yeah. So, I love it. So most people say I like to watch TV or I like to watch films. You particularly like to watch the sound of music. How many times have you watched the sound of music? <laughs> Both. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. In fact, I'm putting for Mastermind and that's my chosen subject. Oh, look at that. Oh. The first real top heavy for my sins corner and you mm. both couldn't hack it. 
Oh, so early. He just he's hit that one really early before the keeper had a chance to set himself. Oh, that's like they talk about that, don't they? Ex players say the chance has come so early in the game. You just you're a little cold. You're not quite ready for it. That was what happened to us there. <laughs> but then the rest of it, a litany of opportunities mm. for him to drop in a for my sins. I know it comes in so many guises, doesn't it? For my sins, but yeah, Warranty. hit early for you, fantastic. But yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I won't, I won't um, bemoan your performances in that one. It was, it was a, it was a curveball, but one to keep an eye on for future instalments. Now, fairly inevitable scenes on Boxing Day, Charlie at Brentford versus Spurs. This tweet from Tom Barkley perhaps summed up the kind of to and fro of the football chants at Brentford that day. A section of the Brentford fans sing, you let your country down in the direction of Harry Kane. Sparks booze from travelling Spurs supporters who sing, he's one of our own. And then take aim at Ivan Tony with Tony, what's the odds? And you're getting sacked in the morning. What incredible flow, ebb and flow to that exchange. Mm. Like, not mucking around, just getting it all out, all the topical things out in one go. Well, the, the only thing that's missing is uh, something to Tony about not getting picked for the squad. I think that'd be the only thing, a kind of is retort to your... You let your country down. You know, you didn't even get the opportunity to let your country down. How you wish you'd have been in that position to take that penalty. You Ivan weren't even on the plane. That, yeah, exactly. that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it did feel inevitable, Dave, that Harry Kane was going to get the kind of semi-sincere "you let your country down" chant, which I, I, I instinctively I thought we should relate to a little bit to "you're not fit to wear the shirt," but that's an that's an incredibly sincere chant. This one is never used really seriously because obviously the phrase itself is ridiculous, right? Yeah, I'm a bit surprised from the Brentford fans though. Really, I think that's a bit it's a bit much. I, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't. I know what you mean. It's not very 2022. Where yeah, people, people are more supportive. Mm. Oh right, I see. I was I was interested to know which variable you thought was excessive there, Dave, because I'm interested to know instinctively what the you let your country down threshold is missing a penalty in a decisive match at a world cup feels to me as as a as a student of the chant rather than anyone who has a vested interest in this as comfortably within that threshold yeah but i don't think it's as bad as it's not beckham red card against mm. argentina no nope. i was thinking that it's a red card like or rooney mm. in 2006 it's that sort of mm. but you know, it's I... mid range beckham's is top of the range Missing a penalty to essentially dump your team out of the World Cup and it, for him to then be playing against your club, that's all the ingredients anyone I, would ever need. I, I would I would say yes, but it's it's I'd say mid-range is missing a penalty in a shootout. Mm. Whereas missing a penalty in the course of the game it was is is a notch down from that. Is it? I think so. Thing, yeah. But mi- missing a penalty in a shootout, you get some points for the bravery for Stepping taking up. it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Which you don't <laughs> You know, you don't get that in the same way if you're if you're just the designated penalty taker because there was no discussion just a few a few sort of dissenting voices in the Brentford fans. Go, oh, leave off! At least he stepped up. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's the designated taker. If anything, he let his country down more than someone who wouldn't have taken it regularly for their club. Or yeah, you know, no, or I think that's true. I, I think that's true. But but I remember, and I, I I'm sh- I don't know if this is the first, my first time being conscious of that chant was when England actually didn't qualify for the Euros in 2007. I remember that oh. being sang at all the players who'd played. <laughs> that is brilliant. In, the the, in that Croatia game that England yeah. lost that cost them the place. Because oh. that, I oh, think... Oh, during that match? No, no, no. After oh. In the weeks after. Got it. I remember towards the back end of 2007, that being sung at... I think it was Gareth Barry. He was the player I remember. Darren Bent. <laughs> Sat on the bench somewhere going... <laughs> But I guess that's even, that's the work because it's like we don't even get a tournament. You know, our summer is going to be tangibly worse because of you and what you. So the fr- so the chant there was was it at its most literally fair? You would say. Well, I just think that was the most that was almost the most vitriolic I've heard it. Cause it was like you've you've robbed us of the euro. Think of the economic summer. impact of what you've done exactly on this country. Think of the pubs. No one's going to be able to put up bunting. Oh dear. Um, so, okay, so missing a penalty we think is mid-range, depending on context. Getting sent off a la Beckham 98 is premium. The worst. You let mm. your country down, football chant territory. Anything else? Any other possibilities? Perhaps, like, Dave, a player kind of refusing to turn up mm. for a tournament or a squad and so not, not, not turning up for England duty. That would be letting their country down. Or am I being too literal? They wouldn't uh, care about that, would they? I mean, it's, it's, I can't... Uh, 
Yeah, I, I can't even think of an example where that's really happened. I, I suppose Chris Sutton never got that sent, sort of shouted at in the <laughs> But um, maybe it, the sort of infamous um, Hong Kong plane ride before Euro '96. Obviously, they they went on to completely was never an issue. But if yeah. if, it, if they if they were completely stunk the place out and went out in the group stage, mm. and it was put down to their boozing. That is a very good hypothetical. You let or, touch down or what based about on those home players? Turf. What about those players like Giggs? Wasn't he accused of sort of picking and choosing his games for Wales? Might a, mm. might a portion of their fan base of you know if if he's... too much of a drip feed effect because they were all sort of fairly innocuous games yeah. in isolation? Yeah. Maybe you couldn't argue that even even as a sub of Roy his Keane, party, let's suppose. Down. Yeah, yeah, Roy Keane. Mm. <laughs> Good luck. Can you imagine? Um, but then there wouldn't be enough Irish fans at the game. He would have had to go play over in Ireland for that to happen. So, and yeah. but can you sing it to a player if it's not your country? I don't think you can. Ooh, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that I don't think you're qualified. Weird. Yeah, it's not for you to say. It's not yeah. your country, mate. I think I think one still might if there'd been, <laughs> if if one of the guys who missed the penalty for France in the shootout played in the Premier League. Yeah. I can't imagine that you let your country down. <laughs> the emphasis changed. Yeah. You let yeah. your country down. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, Dave, people will be singing that, and then there'll be people going, "Sorry, I'm not up to speed with this. What happens?" <laughs> but then they have to explain. <laughs> yeah. But but then shouldn't it shouldn't it be um, you let our country down? Well, that's yeah, that's what I was mm. thinking there. With the, if you if you're singing to the other players about their own countries, you let. Oh, I mean, that's just so pious, isn't it? Different different dagger to the heart, isn't it? I think you it's, let yeah, our it's country pinning down. it on them. Yeah, yeah, that's worse actually. Um, at the same game now, there's nothing wrong with this next clip. By the way, this is Matt Holland on co-commentary at Brentford versus Spurs. But listener Scott Burden had some fun with it anyway. Let's hear it. Just try to compare Kate and Song's partnership today to Tony and Burbo. Chalk and cheese. Perfectly acceptable use of the um, well-known yeah. English phrase chalk and cheese. Scott Burden, though, had some fun with this, Charlie, and um, imagined the idea that uh, Matt Holland was talking about a strike partnership called chalk and cheese. <laughs> and um, he pictured them being Shrewsbury's 1986 promotion chasing big man, little man duo, Gary Cheese and Dave Chalk. I was going to say Dave Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> It's perfect. I mean, you could have so much fun with this. I imagine it's open to so much interpretation, Charlie, but the, the fact remains that chalk and cheese would have to be Division 2, old Division 2 maximum. Little and large. Yeah. Who's the who's the little and who's the large out of Gary Cheese and Dave Chalk? I think Chalk's large, isn't he? Chalk's lanky. Yeah, he's like a stick of chalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Dave, absolutely going into his own ear. St- sticks of chalk are quite small. I mean, are they... They're like the long ones you used to get at school. <laughs> and then you'd have a little chunk of cheese, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a lump. Gary, che- Gary Cheese is the one getting the real... Yeah, I think this is right. Gary Cheese is the 35-goal-a-season man. Dave Chalk chips in with 18, but he's getting the flick-ons. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Dave Chalk. Six foot five inch Dave Chalk, the beanpole, and Gary Cheese, who had who had offers to move up the leagues, but he just wanted to stay with Shrewsbury. Cheeso, because he was he was Shrewsbury through and through, wasn't he? Cheeso, <laughs> cheesy, surely. I think um, you have, can you have chalky and cheesy. I think one has to be an O if one, if one's an E. <laughs> Cheeso, chalky and cheesy's fine. Huh? Cheeso's been different class today. <laughs> Known as the board in the dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Thank you, Scott Burden. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next up, this basically ended me over Christmas. Um... Uh, a tweet from Matt who says, when I was about 13, a friend of mine claimed his dad invented shouting away at corners. (laughs) (laughs) Now, two things about this, Dave. Is it cooler to tell this story at school or is it cooler to actually have a dad who invented shouting away at corners? Has Has he provided any evidence for when this was invented? How could he possibly have done this? What's the backstory? I mean, I don't know. It's a friend of his from school, so I imagine they've lost contact. But imagine, surely, but this surely, Charlie, this guy must have had to offer some some more to this story than simply just telling people this. It's a bit like when I used to tell people that I was um, about three millionth in line to the English throne, and it's because everyone in the country gets a little ticket. Everyone actually gets a number, and loads of people believe me, and they, oh, what's mine? Oh, you got to go, just got to go and apply and find out. <laughs> <laughs> There are, norm- there are normally two defences to this kind of claim. One is, well, someone had to say it first. The other is, why would he lie? <laughs> you know, what's his motivation? That's are, a good reason. Both why would a dad make this up? Sort of inarguable logic, but also, but also complete nonsense. But, but I, mean, when, I, I remember or, a way become. I do remember it becoming a bit more prevalent, and always thinking it felt ridiculous because do you need that instruction? Like I under, I'm, I'm sure there are reasons, and you know whatever, but I was thought, but surely you know you want to hit it away. It's like saying score at someone. But also put yourself in the mindset of the dad here for a second. <laughs> if you had to believe that the dad did actually tell his son that he invented this, at what moment did he hear what they just said, son? I came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that. The about this, and the reason I'm inclined to believe everybody involved in the telling of this story along the chain is that it's it's so innocuous that I can't imagine someone wanting to make it up. Um, I imagine I, it has to have happened. It, but that, uh, at the very least, Charlie, the, the dad was under the illusion that he'd created it. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe that's what happened, yeah. I'm sure, I, I reckon that's what happened and it was then relayed because, you know, every, especially at a certain age, everyone thinks they're, pa- you know, you trust your parents implicitly and I, I, I'm sure the dad would have believed this because he might, maybe he... Where he started saying, maybe he was a good player and he played it at gate. He used it when he was playing and then he took it to the terraces and then it caught on a bit more there. That's sort <laughs> took of it to the ju- terraces. just about believable. But. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea, Dave, that there are sort of relatively niche footballing acts out there that have become so mainstream that people don't even pay any attention to them anymore, but that someone must have invented at one point. And like a goalkeeper spinning the ball out to take a free kick yeah. in it without the, knowing that the referee won't ask him to place it in an exact position with that sort of confidence. I mean, the, the, exactly. Almost every sort of minor act in the game must have an origin. Is it mm. like, Is it, it would, maybe it's like one of those things where, like technology and stuff, do you, more often than not, surprisingly um, common that, Things originate in the military. Mm. <laughs> I can imagine a drill sergeant going, away! I suppose, it, yeah, it is quite military. Same uh, with football chants. And I, and I said last year on this podcast that a friend of mine at school claimed he invented Thursday night Channel 5. <laughs> to what a badge of honour that would be if you could prove he, it. But he stands by it. He listened to mm. it and was like, yeah, I did say that. And I did. <laughs> So and you know I guess with all with all of these chants there will have been a starting point. It's just was that was that the first Tom Hawk chant as well? I can't think of one that predates Thursday Night's Channel Five. Must be, that must be. I mean, it's an older song. Question. I can't. Yeah, I can't think of any other chant that it's used for pre nineteen ninety eight or anything. So who knows? Next up, this is just like Michael Bolton. 
doing Ness and Dorma. It's like Elton John performing John Lennon's Imagine. One legend unnecessarily covering another legend's anthem. This is Peter Drury does Gary Weaver. And Grealish has the freedom of Ellen Road. And Grealish has Haaland! Who finally plants his flag into the heart of his native city. Not particularly happy with this. Charlie, I do feel like he just didn't he didn't really go for it in the in the Weaverian way. Clearly he's referring, as he says, he's referring to the fact that, you know, he was born there and is back there. So there's a li- it makes a little bit more sense in that territorial way. It's not just a any team have come and scored against another team. So not a knowing usage, you don't think? No, I think it is. I, well, okay. I think the I, I think I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a, a nod to Weaver, but I think it. <laughs> but I think it's a that there is that con- that context. He wouldn't have said it about any other player scoring. Look forward to uh, yeah. Gary Weaver's next commentary, Dave, about what he's going to pull out the bag as the. Uh, as the Come on, Weaver. Yeah. To this. How's your alliteration, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> Tough act to follow. That's all I'm saying. Right, a quiz for you, Charlie Eccleshare. This is a list of names who have been the guest slash subject of which program? Jamie Carragher, Phil Neville, John Barnes, Matt Letissier, Sol Campbell, Paul Scholes, Thierry Henry, Robbie Keane, Ian Wright, Gianfranco Zola, Robbie Fowler, Robert Perez, Michael Owen, Dimitar Berbatov. Wayne Rooney, Alan Shearer, Stephen Gerrard, Tony Adams, Peter Schmeichel, Ashley Cole, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, David Ginola and Roy Keane. Gary Neville's soccer box. Oh, superb work. That is outrageous to know. Did I make it too easy, Dave? Maybe I did. No, I just I think, think about right. just, you're just dealing with just a machine. You're just dealing with galaxy brain Eccleshare when it comes to anything related to the Premier League. It's outrageous. From that vintage. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm glad in a way that we didn't have to muck about with the suspense of finding out what it was. This is all a big build up to um, a tweet from listener Sam, who says it was either darts or Gary Neville's soccer box as the only two realistic options on TV one afternoon earlier this week. It got me thinking, who gets in a pure, hasn't been on it yet, but definitely will one day Gary Neville's soccer box 11? Obviously <laughs> Vincent Company. Great who else? Great question. So, <laughs> first of all, let's appraise his suggestion. How... Gary Neville's soccer boxy is Vincent Company. He's right up there. Yeah, that's that's a great shout. I mean, they tend to be very, very good players. So, like, there's a big that's a big self-selecting element of it. I think you need not quite, but you need to be borderline Premier League great. I mean, not not quite that, but or you at least be retired by the looks of it. Yeah, although I think Rooney may have done it when he was still playing, uh, it, it, even if not at the highest level. He could double up as a Premier League Hall of Fame, with, mm, with the possible exception of Phil Neville, really. I think yeah, everyone else would get off. in. Yeah. Yeah, Phil Neville was a slow start. Phil Neville was very... It almost follows the trajectory of Mesut Highland Dix. Who can we get? Uh, it's either someone I know really well or someone that works for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, is he, that's is the, any in the other room? Should we ask him? <laughs> that's the second point. I think not always, but often they might be people who are looking to do more media work or get into the media. So someone like Vincent Company is perfect because he is... He is doing that as well, and be you know be vaguely articulate. I think of the sort of main uh, criteria. Harry Kane's so, yeah, got Gary I'm just soccer box absolutely written all over him, Dave. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think yeah. There's probably uh, <laughs> I was going to say there probably is an overlap with the overlap, um, <laughs> uh, but then I realised what I was saying. But yeah. I, I suppose all of those names are, as you say, they're, they're all sort of late nine, mid to late nineties, or or sort of they span, I suppose, mid nineties to mid noughties in terms of their Premier League relevance. So he's now going to have to move on to the next generation, which yeah. might be a little trickier in terms of there are more exotic names mm. now that are maybe harder to get, or their English isn't as good, or they're not as up for it. Can't be asked. Yeah, like, you're not getting Sergio you know, Aguero on Gary Neville's yeah. box, put it that way. Suarez, mm. yeah, you know. <laughs> Difficult, but you would right? get Jordan Henderson when he's retired from that Suarez. Mm. Ooh, that, but that is his game league. interesting enough to be on Soccer Box? That's the problem. Do they I, I widen it out? I've never actually watched it, by the way. Do they widen it out to like, the era they were playing in? So, like, do they talk about teammates and stuff, or is it just them? Well, a bit. I mean, what they'll do, it will be focused on them, but what they'll normally do is watch highlights of a game. Often that... what. What will be a challenge is often it's games Neville's also played in or it's his era. <laughs> right. So, like, right. you know, they might watch a Liverpool United game with Carragher uh, and they'll be talking it down. But within that, they'll be like, oh, and there's X player. Oof. 
God, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Right, okay. He was good. He didn't track back, but what a player. And then they'll do like a kind of, and here are your best goals. And obviously the second half of that with Henderson might be a bit shorter, but they they could happily watch a Liverpool-United game together with him sort of talking through the intricacies of it. This is good. This is good. Um, The reason I think Harry Kane is doubly good for this, Dave, is that one, he scores lots of goals, so they'll have plenty of footage to study. And second, he he strikes me as someone who will happily talk through the technical elements Mm. of any goal he scored at any point in a kind of conversational way. So, and he, he's, he's increasingly confident in front of the camera, so I can see him doing soccer box, you know, at the age of 33 or something. Yeah, I can definitely see him doing it. I, I don't know how interesting it would be, to be honest. <laughs> oh. I think, I think they would, I don't know, I think there would be a lot of, you know, I just, just got the ball in a good position and I just shift it and hit it. Like, the uh, strikers talking about scoring goals is always dull. I disagree. I think he would take it up a notch, Charlie. I think he would he would go somewhere like I always try to look for keepers going one way or the other. Mm. Or you know, when they took that little step, I always used to look for that. So it's something a little bit more like here's this here's the secret ingredient to my game. Yeah, and also Kane to be his recall of his goals is amazing. So I don't because you know, sometimes you can tell they're slightly they don't really remember it that well. Um, whereas I think he would be able to talk through basically every goal and say, yeah, what, yeah, and talk, as you say, the, the kind of, what's the thinking there? Well, love this, quite frankly. This is from Adam Crafton and a few others, actually. Here's Jesse Marsh on BBC Radio 5 Live appraising referee Simon Hooper after Leeds' goalless draw with Newcastle on New Year's Eve. I was going to ask slightly tongue-in-cheek who might have the bigger gripe with the referee today, you or Eddie Howe, but there were certain times within the match where you looked very furious with the match officials. No, I just, you know, there were... I, I actually thought Hoops did a did a pretty good job and just <laughs> managing the savviness of what's happening within the match and seeing what's happening, um, and you know just trying to make little reminders. But um, yeah, I thought I thought uh, the fourth official also had good dialogue with us, so that was helpful. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a hard fought match from both teams and and. Uh, to come away f- with a point and a clean sheet for us is a major positive. He was doing so well, Dave. Jesse Marsh. He was he was assimilating into our culture so well. And then he's called a referee by his nickname. And I'm with Keezy on this. Yeah. You know, Hoops. at least in hypothesis. It's not, I'm not allowing it. Hoops. Hoops. Because the real issue here perhaps isn't Jesse Marsh's, Charlie. It's the fact that the referee has relayed to one or both managers that he would prefer to be called Hoops. Well... That's what what it heavily implies. Do we know that? Yeah, it only implies, Mm. though. I don't know. That may may just be an over-familiarity on Marshy's part. I don't think he would call him Hoops without precedent. But but that say Hoops. But it might be that's because what all his colleagues call him. The fourth official with whom Jesse Marsh had such good dialogue, maybe he calls (laughs) Simon Hooper Hoops, and he just sort of took that on. Well, I mean, after Mossygate, Dave, Keezy will hate this. Yeah, but... (sighs) Like, is Hoops big enough t- to qualify for Hoops? I, w- I don't think I would have n- been able to name... If you'd asked me to name all the no. Premier League referees, I don't think I would have named Simon Hooper. No. But, it, I mean, if anything, that that's probably why. He's more humble, so they can just they can call him by that, you know. I mean, imagine if someone said, like, Dino or someone, when mm. Mike Dean was still refing. The, the sort of... Given that there were all these conspiracy theories about Mike Dean and, you know, he was such a big name anyway, that re- that honestly would have caused such a stir. Yeah, it should be Mr. Hooper. Oh, the by days. the... Oh, on the... Re- I meant to tell you guys, that reminds me. I was driving at the time, so I couldn't do anything about it. I drove <laughs> through Tring. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was an incredible... I was like... Referees just every corner. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I, this one, I would have had zero idea where Tring was. Without- oh, look, there's Graham Pohl. Yeah, it was, it was like... I was gonna, I was gonna say it to Lizzie, but I was like, she's just not gonna care. Like, what? What? Is, it's not even that interesting. But I was just like, wow, I'm in Tring. This is, is the sign that welcomes you into Tring, like sort of home of the thing from Tring. There was, there was no. Um, drove past the station. There was, no, there wasn't like a sort of shrine to Graham Pole or yeah, you're Twinned entering with Stockley Park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're entering Graham, um, Pol- Graham Pole country. Oh God, what a moment. <laughs> the idea, you didn't know what, you, you, you couldn't do anything about yeah, it. It's such it, a great, driving around going, oh, I need to tell them. Like, I can't, I can't take a photo. It's like if you went to Chesterler Street, it's like yeah. same sort of deal. If there was a statue of Graham Pohl, obviously the moment you'd want to do it, recreate, would be the three, three yellow cards in uh, the World Cup. Yeah. But, but how, you wouldn't be able to, be able to do that in statue form, would you? Really? Three, well, you could have three of him. In one statue, so, is, that, is that too much? All doing the individual cast. Three also heads lean. coming out of the statue each. Three hands. Which is the statue of him yeah. finding out that he'd done it. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just the uh, moment very, of horror on his face. 
Next up, a very pressing question from listener Joey Durso, who says, The word game weeks usually seems very FPL-y, but in this World Cup interrupted season, it is actually useful because the shorthand weeks doesn't make sense like it usually would. For example, Leicester win the relegation zone a few game weeks ago. Is this allowed? Now, Dave, I'm torn about this because I am I feel like it is very FPL. Mm-hmm. I'm more kind of inclined to use the slightly more awkward phrase of round of fixtures, and which I think does the same job, but it is, it is technically the same thing. We should probably use that, shouldn't we? Game weeks, I'm not. Match week, because that's a Premier League officially used match week, don't they, as a kind of round of fixtures thing. Where do you stand uh, on no, that? No, I think they use game weeks because... It's all synced up, you know, because the Premier League run the FPL as well. So game game week is definitely an FPL thing for the conveniences of, you know, the, the mechanics of that game. But it has bled into into the sort of general language of football for sure. Uh, but I still wouldn't use it. I would never use no. it out loud or write it down. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the key, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, I remember talking to Michael Cox about this early in the year. I can't remember what prompted it. We what a conversation. But carry on. (laughs) (laughs) This is what's scintillating between the two of us. And we were talking about that. And also because in the Champions League, remember they used to use match days? Yeah. Uh, Or maybe they still do, which is a bit weird. They do. Champions League and World Cups and European Championships use match days because then they they have this ridiculous phrase where they refer to the press conference the day before the match as match day minus one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I sort of think the Champions League usage is okay because unlike the fiddly Premier League or any league calendar really where games are thrown around all over the place because of postponements and all sorts of reasons rescheduling for TV you know that the Champions League weeks will take place when they're supposed to so if you say well they of course they went to the San Siro and beat them 2-0 back on match day two and you think well that's okay because Mm. you know it was three games ago in the in the Champions League Mm. cycle it means something but in in Premier League terms, game week's never going to mean anything to me. I'm never going to need to use it or hear it, Charlie. No, and I think I think I can see why there might be a use. And related to this, what I don't like is I heard a bit of this around Boxing Day and and the, the subsequent game weeks uh, or match days of people saying things like, "Well, you know, it's his first Premier League goal since November 5th or something." You're like, "That's ridiculous." There's mm. ba- they've barely like, yes, that's true, but they've barely played. Like I, you know, that's that's like. You know, often you'll hear that between seasons, someone scores in September. It's like his first Premier League goal for four months. Like, mm. yeah, but he wasn't playing for two and a half of that. Yeah, yeah. it's a disgrace. It is. So a I think in that example, the use of of game weeks would would be useful. Or you can say ma- they can say three matches game serve a purpose. Yeah. But yeah, but that's, that's what I was going to say. Basically, in any circumstance here, you can either use games or weeks. Mm. You don't need yes. to use join them together feels a bit American to me it is Uh, yeah and that's perhaps why I'm inclined to not like it Um, (laughs) this is from Smithy who was watching QPR versus Sheffield Johnson and by the way by stealth sometime during the World Cup Sky started using two co-commentators on their championship coverage how do we feel about this in the championship matches two co-commentators yeah I think personally I think you you only should go the only time you should do two co-commentators is if it's a derby and you want to and you want to reflect both both teams particularly if like your standard co-commentator is Jamie Carragher so for the for the Merseyside derby get an Everton mm. player um or if it's a final or semi-final like a big occasion you don't need to do it if it's just Bristol City against Hull in the middle of the season is it overkill charlie or is it actually quite a nice development is it nice to have three voices in the commentary booth, as they often did back in the day. This isn't a newfangled thing. They often had two co-commentators and one would just chip in every now and then. Yeah, it is an interesting thing because you're right. I I think because it went away and then it came back again a few years ago. And to Dave's point about the big games, in the semi-final of the World Cup, it must have been the Argentina-Croatia game. Yeah, ITV had both Dixon and McCoy's as co-coms. And I thought at the time, like, oh, you know this is a big game when this is happening. I think it can work reasonably well because... Sometimes they can sort of lift each other's games a little bit, maybe because they're both trying to not show off, but they there's there's a bit of competition for insight. You know, it's not just you who's being relied upon. This particularly was Lee Hendry and Neil Warnock on duty for QPR versus Sheffield United. And as Smithy writes in, this is some textbook co-commentary and proper football man banter combined. It ticks all the boxes here during the game. QPR director of football Les Ferdinand appears in the stands at Loftus Road. And he's wearing a flat cap, by the way. 
as allegedly whacked a few elbows and a few defenders' cheeks, didn't he, back in the day? Some player he was, Les Ferdinand. They'd be worth a few quid now, wouldn't they, up front? Not with that cap on, though. <laughs> 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 That's a great laugh from Lee Hendry. <laughs> it's so good. Used to do those sort of things in his time. What would he be worth today? And then shoehorning in some sort of dress sense chat to imply that his value wouldn't be actually that much, which is a completely awkward way of doing it, Charlie. Overall, brilliant. The only thing missing, and I thought we were going to get, which you so often get, and I think you got this on the Prime Videos coverage, they showed James Madison in the crowd, and he was wearing quite sort of loud gear, is the, oh, haven't haven't you got one of those at home? Or, (laughs) let's see how that would look on you. You got one of those for Christmas, did you? So I thought there might be a sort of like, Neil, uh, you're not wearing yours today. Uh, And Neil would have taken that quite well as well of Warnock, so that would have been quite good. Yeah, but yeah, good start. Good Christmas had by lots of commentators here. Less good Christmas had by my nephew, though. Um, Dave, I bought my nephew the Match of the Day 2023 annual for Christmas. I thought it was a slam dunk of a present. He's Mm. getting into football. Simple one. He's, he's, He's about the right age to appreciate it. But the state of football annuals now. It really needs to be brought to the nation's attention. Now, before we get into this specific The absolute state. The absolute state. The the, the usual fare that you would have seen in football annuals growing up. It must be a tough job coming up with the content because this is a weekly content machine and you're having to just fill an annual thing of stuff. What what should be in a football annual? Sort of roundups of the year? Bigger picture stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I don't know if I ever really got an annual when I was a kid. I had all the sticker books and stuff, but like I'm thinking, could there be like a word search in an annual? Good, that sort yeah, of, sort of thing. quizzes. Yeah, yeah quizzes the, are good. The year ahead, funny as photos well, to be back in the day. There'd be these are when the big competitions are and what have you. Players to watch. Best players coming. in the world was always an easy one. Yeah, have sort of six, yeah. Six great players. Lists of stuff that wouldn't mm. be out of date terribly quickly. Um, this, however, is a disgrace. This appears in the match of the day annual. For 2023. And it's simply entitled, It's Time to Rank Your Rice. Number one, Jasmine Rice. (laughs) Number two, Rice Pudding. Number three, Basmati Rice. Number four, Egg Fried Rice. Number five is Black Rice. Number six is simply Risotto Rice. Number seven, Declan Rice. Number eight, Sticky Rice. Number nine, Rice Krispies. There are little bits that you can write your number in for their rating, and then you, at the in the corner, you can rank your top three rices. Oh what God. is going on? I mean, I was just going to say, as you started doing that, I was like, that is that was always a staple, the sort of wordplay, yeah. punning and stuff. But it wasn't, but it would be, they would all be related to footballers. You wouldn't have all of that stuff. Here's some food for thought, readers, it says underneath as the subtitle, Dave. This is desperate stuff. Yeah, because it's not... how much I paid for it, but it's too much. You could use Declan Rice as the starting point and then, yeah, like do other 100%. punny names on on f- f- foodie food. footballers. Football yeah. food. Easy. Yeah. You could, you could do an entire takeaway selection using players' names, um, but not, not just Rice. <laughs> uh, filled a page though it filled a page uh, well, but crucially who am I to talk about well, the, desperate content but the gathering. acid test is did your nephew enjoy that page has he ranked his rices I don't know I don't know I will find out what his top three rices are finally from Michael Rainsbury he says the finish is rather scrappy but he won't care one bit at what point would a player care if the goal they scored was scrappy this- perhaps if it was a friendly or a consolation goal and which kind of player would it be I can think David Ginolar would be one of them this is another amazing example of our listeners being so in sync with my mind I had the Good. exact same thought though my thought was about a team because I saw this written down I can't remember who it was X team have gone ahead it's a scrappy goal but they won't care one bit yep. why would you care why would anyone care a t- why would like a, pl- a team I think is even more ridiculous what team unless unless the league is so distorted which you know you could argue what team is going to be like oh we're 1-0 up that was, a, that was a shit goal like that was a bit scrappy wasn't it before we tackle this specifically Dave let's list all the things that um, players or teams wouldn't care about so scrappy goal Goals, scrappy, scrappy goals. I mean, playing badly but winning. 
Yes. But then it was a poor performance, but they they won't care because they got the job done. In a cup competition, but not in the league. Is that fair? Because they've got through, but in the league, that is well, they're not. Depends what stage of the league, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there are points of the season which it's all about results. Yeah. Uh, Still some question marks hover over a certain team despite winning. A team wouldn't care one bit about benefiting from a bad refereeing decision. Yeah, they so won't care about that. It's a soft penalty, but they won't care about that. Fortuitous things that happen to yeah. teams, but they won't care about that. But yeah, let's let's answer Michael Rainsbury's question, Dave. At what point would a player care if the goal they scored was scrappy? Is there yeah, is there a player, you know, that's an interesting shout, who's just, you know, a bird camp or someone who was just so renowned for scoring amazing goals that they would look down they would sort of mm. they would they would I don't really I don't really consider that to be a proper goal. Like like strikers who who don't count penalties. Ah, oh, penalties. They're not proper goals, are they? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they are. They they turn their nose up at the the notion of not of scoring from two yards out. Let's look at it a slightly different way, Charlie. I'm trying to picture a goal that an average elite striker would be quite annoyed at hitting like that. Take this example: a, a ball being fired across to them and they're like two or three yards out the goal is now gaping the, the keeper was already committed to his near post so the, the goal is open and they go to side foot it in but it hits their standing foot instead mm. and goes in and it looks really awkward and it's actually quite embarrassing that they miss hit it but it, they, they sort of scuffed it in bundled it in at the same time I feel like that might be the, the point at which they would care that it was maybe, a scrappy goal maybe but they might also just be tinged with relief I, mm. I can, I can they imagine they might laugh it off yeah a little bit I can imagine a, a player who if you sort of trade off your good finishing if you have to score a goal where you miss the one-on-one the keeper saves it it comes back to you and you get the rebound I think you might care one bit I think there are <laughs> there are some strikers who'd be like that's a bit annoying because just I sh- one bit I, sh- I, I should have just scored that and I penalty don't want to be rebounds. missing that again penalty, penalty rebounds? rebounds I think because yeah. not only is it an ego blow to have missed the penalty but it, it's kind of like well that's one of my records for mm. my penalty record and people would yeah. care about Harry Kane would yeah. care about that yeah yeah um, mm. There would be an element of relief, but he would care one bit. That's that's a really good example. What yes. what about? Do you would think he have still let his country down? <laughs> in a way, well, in a in, way, in the Euros, <laughs> momentarily, he, in the Euros, he did briefly let his country down against Denmark. His penalty was saved, but seconds later, uh, redeemed himself by scoring the rebound. That's right. There is. I mean, what about that goal? Um, Stan Collymore scored against was Tim Tim Flowers was the keeper. Against Blackburn, I think. Yeah, yeah, where that bobbled in, and and Collymore he celebrated in a. Oh, that's a bit funny, but I don't think he would have cared one bit, really. I don't no, think. He, I think would he have had much? It, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, I don't think he'd have much sympathy. I mean, to it. maybe if if England were playing San Marino and that happened, you know, to make it eleven nil against a poor hapless goalkeeper, maybe there's yeah. a player who'd care one bit. Well, you're introducing think. sympathy to it now, which yeah. I think dilutes it. That's yeah. not enough, is it? It's different. Anyway, uh, we are done, except for one thing. It's time to say Happy New Year to Keys and Gray. Sunday. Just one little clip for you, really. Um, here's Richard Keys on B in Sports with his trusty nodding sidekick Andy Gray talking about Chelsea's current plight. Oh, that's, that's not. If you're a Chelsea fan, you can't accept that. I'll be interested to hear what he's got to say tonight again. He'll come out and tell us he thinks Aspi played well and you know, <laughs> the various number of different nicknames he throws around and, uh, you know, they're all my mates. Well, I don't think they are. No, they're Graham, not and I think that very that's soon now you're going to find that out. By the way, that's a tough dressing room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Aspi. Aspi. Really should. We should be keeping a kind of compendium, Charlie, of all the things that Keezy thinks he's not on. Not not things that are just wildly wrong, just things that he thinks yeah. only he has identified is wrong to do as a football manager or player. Again, that's a really strange one because Nick Chummy Nicknamery feels very... <laughs> the sort of thing he would really like. You write the book on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and I, that does feel like a very good counter-argument. But Dave, um, I feel like... Keezy would employ some sort of kind of probation period by which you don't call someone by their nickname. And then after that, once you've earned their mm. trust or, you know, they've earned your trust, then the nicknames can flow. He's implying that Potter hasn't been in the job long enough slash isn't a big enough reputation to be start throwing around nicknames of his players already. Yes. Seems harsh. Seems and harsh. I, I think as well, it is is there a bit of Keezy would let proper football man 
proper football men get away with with the yeah. chumminess. Yeah. Whereas I don't think he considers Potter to be part he of the he's gang. He's a school teacher, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah he oh, he must hate Potter teacher. so much. But I guess maybe as well he would think that it's it's less becoming for managers to do it with their own players because there should be the level of fear and all of that. Can you imagine Brian Clough calling his players that? Oh. Yes, I can actually. Though. That's the so, thing. So can I? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very slippery moral code there that he's trying to uh, trying to uh, inflict on football. Anyway, um, a tremendous adjudication panel to kick off the year. Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening and for people who who contributed because our cup runneth over for this adjudication panel. So we saved a few bits for for next week. So uh, don't worry, there's still a chance. And uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.